Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, and we thank you oh so much for the many things you've already blessed us with this day. And now the blessed opportunity to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Bible study from A to Z in the word heaven, we've started in on the section of history where it's speaking of the great flood. And we can pick it back up here in chapter 7. And you may ask why is this a subject of heaven? Because we're speaking of the three heavens, the first being the atmosphere of the planet, and then the second being the place of the the great cosmos, you might say, all the stars and planets throughout all the cosmos, and then the third heaven being the dwelling place of God. So here we see some references to things that are going on on this planet and the opening of the heavens to let the water come down, which was in the firmament of the heavens, which we saw created in chapter 1. But picking it back up here in chapter 7 as we continue this account of the great worldwide flood, the judgment upon sinful man in Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take of thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls of also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep the seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. So all of this rain that's coming down is actually coming down from that shield that was all around the whole planet that was the shield that protected the earth from harmful rays and caused the perfect living condition of a greenhouse effect of higher pressures, higher oxygen levels, and, as I said, protection from the rays, harmful rays from space and from the sun. That was all in form of ice crystals all around the planet, which he released and let come down as rain upon the earth. Verse 7, And Noah went in, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls and of every living thing that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto Noah and to the ark, and the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. So he called him in to the ark, him and his family, and of course all the animals and so forth, into the ark. And it was seven days before he actually sealed that door, as we see down in verse 16, 
And so you can imagine that for that seven days, he was preparing for the flood to come. And we can also imagine that he was still crying out to others out there that were outside laughing and carrying on and making fun of him for coming into the ark. But as it continues here in verse 17, In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth and the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. So only eight people went into that ark. Plenty of room for a lot more folks. But they turned away. Rejected the opportunity of salvation. Being told that it was going to happen. Being told that there was going to be a great flood. And yet still rejected it. Verse 14. They and every beast after his kind... And all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went into Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. See, the Lord closed that door. Not Noah and his family, but the Lord. Just as the door of opportunity for salvation was closed at that time, the door of opportunity for salvation closes again and again. It closes in individuals' lives. It closes worldwide at the last days. But we've got to know that salvation is only available for a certain amount of time. When you leave here... Without salvation, there isn't going to be another opportunity later to get it. A door's closed when you die. So go in before it's everlasting too late. Because it comes the time when the Lord will shut that door. Verse 17. And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth, and the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth, and the ark went upon the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the hill, high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. So everything covered, everything underwater. So people say, well, how could that have happened? Where did all the water go? Well, the scientists, the geologists, have been able to determine through scanning and so forth the depth of the oceans and the height of the mountains. If you were to lower the mountains, there's enough water on the planet to cover the entire planet with even there still being some of the high points of the mountains sticking up. But the earth was completely reshaped through the pressures of all this water. Some of it was lowered, some of it was raised up, but at this moment here he's speaking of, 
the entire planet was covered with the water because the sudden application of this water would have called, caused forces that would have totally enveloped the entire planet with water. With the fountains of the deep bursting open, which you can see the scars of on the planet and the ocean bottoms. You can see the scars of the, where the, the cracks were opened up, deep ravines that reveal the very points that he's speaking of, the fountains where they opened up. You can look at the shapes of the continents and the, the shapes of the mountains and the valleys and see how the water flowed. If you take a flight around various areas, you can see how the water shaped all the, all the land all the hills and the valleys and the mountains, all shaped by the various forces that occurred when those fountains were opened and when the windows of heaven were opened and all that water, that it took 40 days for that water to fall from the sky. There was so much of it, 40 days of it to come down on the planet. As it continues, verse 21, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both the fowl and of the cattle and of the beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven. And they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark, and the waters prevailed upon the earth in hundred and fifty days. So for a hundred and fifty days, the entire planet was covered with water, some fifteen cubits above the very highest points of the land, there was water. So everything was engulfed with the water. The sea creatures, of course, Many of them would have died through this with the sediments and so forth being stirring up the water and messing up the water, but they weren't all destroyed. But all the air-breathing creatures, including mankind, were all destroyed, all killed, all because of sin. Judgment upon an earth covered with sinful activity. Get right into chapter 8 as this account continues. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of the, the hundred and fifty days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass as... At the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, 
and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark, and he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth, and he stayed yet other seven days, and set forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. So Noah was testing these waters to see whenever the waters were abated, he sent out these birds. He didn't really have to do that because the Lord already had set up where he would be landing on them mountains in Ararat there as they referred to earlier. But he goes back a little bit in verse 6 and talks about what Noah had done prior to the ark settling on them mountains. And back over into verse 13. And it came to pass in the 600th and first year in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth, and his sons, and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every fowl, and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kinds, went forth out of the ark. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast, and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. That's comforting words right there. Letting Noah know and his family that there would never be another flood of water upon the planet to destroy everything. Even with the acknowledgement that the heart of man is evil. It says, even from his youth. And also comforting to know that while the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. That there will be the seasons just as he has prescribed and he is in control of all that, not mankind. Right on into chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be 
upon every beast of the earth, and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth, and upon all the fishes of the sea, into your hand are they delivered. Once again, pointing out that mankind has dominion over the animals. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all thanks. This is when the diets were changed. This is when the Lord allowed the diets to be changed. Prior to this, with some of the sin that was going on, was the consumption of the animals, even the animals by other animals. They had gotten evil and were devouring each other. That was not what the Lord had in mind from the very beginning, in the perfect setting, with the perfect greenhouse effect, and the producing the kind of fruits and vegetables that were upon the planet at that time. It was plenty to eat without having to eat the animals. But now, because the conditions were not as good, because of the loss of the firmament, the protective shield, the loss of the perfect greenhouse effect, was no more there. So there would not be as much vegetation, not be as many of the fruits and vegetables and trees that were once available for food for all the animals and for mankind. And now he gives permission for the consumption of other animals. Read verse 3 again. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. Here he's telling them not to consume blood. We are not to consume blood. Because of the symbolism of that blood. Because he's speaking here prophetically about the precious value of blood. Because of what eventually the Lord would do. And that is to die on that cross as he did for us and shed his blood. This is a reference to keeping the blood sanctified as being something holy. But the flesh with the life thereof, the life, that blood, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And then he gets into an interesting subject here. And surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. Now this actually gives the permission to sentence someone to death who is a murderer. Reads, and you... Be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you, and with your seed after you. Now this established covenant here is a contract, is a promise, an agreement made. And with every living creature that is with you of the fowl of the 
of the cattle and of every beast of the earth with you from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud. And I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Thus he sets up and establishes this promise, this covenant, this contract, and the token of that is the rainbow that we see after a big rain or even during a big rain when the sun comes in, you can see that. And even if you go out in your yard on a nice sunny day with a water hose set just right, you can spray water up in the air and see this beautiful bow. Or certain things, you can allow the sunlight to travel through a piece of clear plastic or a piece of glass and see that, that formation of that color scheme, the rainbow, which is a reminder to all of us that the Lord will not destroy the planet again with a flood of water. And it's interesting how some have applied prophecy and history in the colors of the rainbow. Because in the colors of the rainbow, you see the three primary colors, which is red, yellow, and blue. And if you're looking at the rainbow, around the top of the rainbow, you have the red and in the center you have the yellow and along the bottom you have the blues and you could look at that as at the bottom the blues being the water if you go down a little bit further there's kind of a mingling you see a little bit of a purple which is suggested that the water being the blue and the little bit of purple was the blood the shed blood that all those that died in the flood so it's a reminder of the flood and then as you climb on up, you get into the yellow. And in the yellow, and through the oranges, the greens, the yellow, the oranges, that would all indicate a time of grace. And currently we are under the time of grace. And then you go on up a little bit higher and you get into the red. Now, into the red suggests fire. And in fire... We can see over in Second Peter chapter three. Second Peter chapter three. Let's pick it up here in verse one. 
because the Lord's already promised that he would not destroy the planet with a flood of waters from the heavens. But here in chapter 3 of Peter, this second epistle beloved I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken by before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Speaking of creation and of the worldwide flood. They doubt it. They don't believe it. He's whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, as we just read the account in Genesis chapters 6 through 9. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store. See, Jesus Christ keeps everything in store, just like he spoke of earlier there in Genesis about how summer and Winter and spring and fall, all the seasons are going to be in place just like he wants them to. He's keeping it in store. He's controlling the climate. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The next destruction of the planet, the final destruction of the planet, is going to be by fire, not by water. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that... One day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is outside of time. Time means nothing to Him. We are bound by time, but He is not. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We look around, we see the things that are going on in the world today, and we compare it to the, what we could imagine the evil of, of the days of Noah, and wonder why the Lord hasn't destroyed this planet again. But he's patiently waiting for more to come to him, to trust in him, before it's everlasting too late. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. So the heavens will be destroyed. This is plural. This is two. This is speaking of all of the cosmos and our atmosphere. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So everything is going to be vaporized into non-existence, burned up by fire. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat." Everything, all the cosmos, all the planets, all the stars way on out there that we'll never visit are all going to be totally destroyed. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. That is awesome that we have that to look forward to. New heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. That righteousness of God is going to be with us for eternity. The new heavens 
and the new earth, far beyond what we could imagine in beauty and splendor to look forward to. So consider the actions of the people of the past. Consider and remember the judgment that come upon the planet when the heavens were open and all that rain come down. Every time that you see that rainbow, think about that. The blues being that water, that flood to come upon the planet. The middle of the rainbow being the time of grace that we are on, under right now. And then that red up at the top, the fire to come. The fire to come that's going to destroy this planet and destroy all of cosmos out there. All those planets, all the space out there that we can look up in the sun, up up see the sun, the moon, and all the stars up there, all that's going to be vaporized into nothingness at the word of Jesus Christ. He spoke it all into existence. He's going to take it out of existence and create new heavens and a new earth for all of us that have trusted Him as our Lord and Savior to dwell on. So much to look forward to. So think about that every time you see a rainbow. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the records that you have preserved for us to be able to study, the wondrous things that we can look out into the heavens and see, and to know that you are in control of all that, and that you have in store for us a wondrous recreation, a wondrous new creation of all that for us to dwell on for eternity that have trusted you. Thank you oh so much for giving us your shed blood and the opportunity of salvation. Help us get out there and share it with others as well. Thank you oh so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Thank you all.